You're listening to a Fit Plus Love production. And especially as your training picks up, you know, magnesium is an electrolyte that we also have and we lose in our sweat. We don't lose a huge amount, but when you are sweating a lot, like you do when you're training for endurance events, a small amount times a lot still ends up being pretty significant. That was Ashley Reaver. This is Marnie Salop. Thanks for tuning into my podcast, Marnie on the Move. Each week, I will be inviting interesting, innovative movers and shakers to join me on the show and share their story. You will discover and hear from thought leaders, experts, influencers, and entrepreneurs from the worlds of wellness, sports, beauty, fitness, fashion, and more. Marnie on the Move will feature an eclectic mix of people I know, work with, and think are generally doing cool things. On each episode, I sync up with my guests about life, career, and training, and showcase their expertise and story. Hello, welcome, and welcome back to the Marnie on the Move podcast. I'm your host, Marnie Salah. Today on the podcast, I sync up with inside tracker, lead nutrition scientist, Ashley Reed to go over my recent test results and her nutritional recommendations based upon the 43 blood biomarkers I tested using Inside Tracker's ultimate plan and inner age back in January. The test results are eye-opening, but not surprising. I've been using Inside Tracker for over two years now, and the data and insight I discover and learn every time are truly game-changing for my health. Their ultra-personalized nutritional recommendations are awesome. And I love that I get reminders on their app to eat certain foods throughout the day, try to get more sleep, or just simply practice yoga so that I can optimize my blood biomarkers and attain my personal goals for longevity and health span, as well as being a stronger, faster athlete. If you're curious about Inside Tracker and you'd like to get on the Inside Track, of your health and wellness, you can use my code CheersMarnie or go to the website insidetracker.com slash Marnie on the move and get 20% off any of the products on their website. Now on to my conversation with Ashley. Ashley, it's so great to have you back on the podcast. Yes, thanks for having me. I'm so excited to go over these results of my recent Inside Tracker ultimate test and my inner age. Yes, I'm excited to be here. It's been six months or so since your last test. Yes. So lots of interesting things to dive into. Yes. So I noticed when I got my blood work back from Inside Tracker that my vitamin B12 took a total nosedive and so did my iron. And my vitamin D is back down from 40, which it was in August, to 30. And I have a few thoughts about why those things are happening, but I would love to hear your opinion. (laughs) Yeah, well, vitamin D, you know, we this test is in February, you're in New York, so not super surprising that vitamin D would come down. I mean, over the past, what is this, three, four years, you have done a super good job with increasing that vitamin D. And from August to February, you know, a good chunk, four of those months in between there, you really haven't been able to make any of that vitamin D in your skin. So I would lean towards looking at kind of supplement 
Yeah. If you've been super consistent with that, if you backed off a little bit, which is totally fine since your level was 42, which was great. Right. That's exactly what happened. 31. I dropped back a little bit and, and that was my result. Yep. And I think that that's super common. Um, yeah. You know, you finally get your blood work to a certain place and then you stop necessarily doing what you were doing to get it there. And vitamin D is one that we do store. Yeah. Um, it's a fat soluble vitamin. So we store it in our body fat as well as we store it in our liver. Um, and typically, you know, the dosage that you needed to help get to that 42 probably isn't the same dosage that you need to maintain it. Right. But it's also important to take into consideration seasonally in August, you know, you probably were soaking up a lot of sun in May, June, and July that were helping that supplement that unfortunately no longer had access to over the winter. That makes sense. And what do you think happened with my, my B12 and iron? The B12 to me looks like maybe you stopped taking something not knowing that it had B12 in it. Um, Cause that one's pretty rare that it would drop off that quickly in just six months. B12 is technically a water-soluble vitamin, meaning that we don't, you know, all of our B vitamins and vitamin C, we don't store in the body, um, but it's a hybrid. And it's one that we actually store for about two years in our liver. Right. Um, a drop like that, what it says to me is that maybe something that you were using or taking pretty consistently back in August was mm-hmm. fortified with B12. Um, and you've stopped taking that. Um there's no like nothing would have happened to you, yeah. so to speak, that would have really increased your vitamin B12 utilization. Right. Um, so I would, you know, and, and B12 is something that's fortified in so many things. You could find it in supplements for sure, but it's going to be in certain brands of almond milk. You can find it in certain breakfast cereals, um, pre-workouts, protein powders. Um, any changes like that. And that also applies to people that have B12 that's really high and they're not intentionally taking a B12 supplement. It's fortified in a lot of things. So just checking out those labels. Yeah. Probably what happened here, but also a good thing for people with high B12 to look at. I think that, you know, I stopped eating, we stopped eating a lot of fish, which could have mm. been a something. I also stopped yeah. having my usual protein smoothies. And I I'm not vegan, but I don't, I use plant-based protein, but I think that maybe I was getting vitamin B there. I'm also training yeah. a lot, right? And I, I started, you know, I haven't been training that much in in December when I got the test. I just started, you know, I mean, I got, no, I got the test in January. In January when I got the test, I had just started really training for some so a half marathon, so maybe I increased yeah. my training as well and then depleted the B12. And does iron go with B12? Like do those two things kind of go together? Because my iron also dropped. Not usually. Okay. Um, so iron is one that we also can store in the body. Let me go find your iron group. Your ferritin level is good though. It actually went up a little bit. And in our iron group, we test so many things. Um, yeah. It's a very complicated group, but ferritin, if you're looking at whether or not you're taking in enough iron, is really the one that's most important because okay. it's the most stable one. It takes a really long time to change. We also test serum iron. 
that one's not the best measurement just because it can really fluctuate based on, you know, things that you had the 24 hours that you ate the 24 hours before a meal. Yeah. Um, so the fact that it's on the lower side doesn't really tell us long term that your iron stat, you know, your iron intake hasn't been enough. Could just be some of the things that happened that 24 hours right before your blood test. Whereas your ferritin, it takes months or weeks and weeks okay. for that to be able to make a shift. Um, and that one is great. It's perfectly placed for where you'd want it to be if you're just starting training now. Okay. And then, but my cortisol was through the roof. I think it's my dog's fault. They're stressing me out every day, four <laughs> times a day. They're whining at my desk. They want to be fed. They want to be walked. And I am here in their vision immediately. And <laughs> they just stalk and whine at me all day. It's very stressful. Yeah. That is a very big spike in cortisol. So it went from 11 up to almost 21. So yeah. it almost doubled. Maybe your dogs need to uh, also work on They're some stress some relieving CBD. things. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. And that's a big jump. I mean, certainly also training could have an impact on that if um, your intensity is really high and your recovery recovery on the backside isn't necessarily supporting that yeah um your calories if they haven't also risen to where they need to be to support you being alive but also support your training that can have an impact on that cortisol level and then your sleep um being another big one in that bucket yeah the fourth biggest one is definitely just stress and that can be um you know mental and emotional stress that can really drive that marker up too Yeah. I also usually with my smoothies, now that we're having this conversation, it's like this aha moment for me because I usually put ashwagandha in my smoothies. So that was, Mm -hmm. could be what brought my cortisol back down earlier this year. And then this time I haven't been doing my smoothies. So that would be the probable answer to all of this. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that ashwagandha definitely could play a role as well. Also, if you're feeling more stressed and frazzled. Yeah. And your dogs, you know, have always been looking at you like this. No, you know, maybe that's why it feels much more stressful. That's true. <laughs> I'm just blaming the dogs. But so what else are you seeing like on my chart that I should be mindful of as I'm starting to get into my 70.3 Ironman training? You know, and and, you know, it's it's right now it's a base building. But, you know, we're going to come into yep. some big months leading into my first races in June. I'm going to hopefully do the Brooklyn half marathon and you know, there's, yeah, there's a lot going on. So I just want to like be prepared. Honestly, your results are great. That's awesome. So you're in really good position other than that cortisol being elevated. That's one that would concern me a little bit. Your iron is really great, which is awesome. Um, the other marker that I was just looking at your magnesium, um, your RBC magnesium in particular it's still within the optimized zone or the normal zone, but it's on the lower end of that. Yeah. And especially as your training picks up, you know, magnesium is a electrolyte that we also have and we lose in our sweat. We don't lose a huge amount, but when you are sweating a lot, like mm-hmm. you do when you're training for endurance events, a small amount times a lot still ends up being pretty significant. Yeah. Um, so it would probably be a great idea to either think about intentionally incorporating some more foods that are rich in magnesium or... Um, a lower dose of a magnesium supplement um, just to make sure that you're replacing those losses that happen in sweat. And magnesium is something that's involved in like 300 reactions in the body. A lot of them related to our metabolism. 
So as you're asking your body, uh, your muscles in particular, to use a lot more energy, we're also using a lot more of that magnesium in order to carry out those chemical reactions. So your needs for magnesium are likely a bit higher now and are only going to get higher as your training picks up. Right. And also with age, right? Like magnesium sort of starts to decrease. Yeah. So we usually store magnesium in our bones and it's, you know, what we test, we have serum magnesium that we test, which isn't the best measurement for um, magnesium just because since it's so important, our blood requires a specific amount that to be in our blood all the time. And if we don't eat enough, it's going to take it from those reservoirs in the bone. Um, And that process of just losing minerals from the bone is something that does increase as you age. Um, And that's why we test this RBC magnesium because it's not as tightly controlled in Mm -hmm. the blood. Um, You know, there's not a reservoir that's going straight to our um, red blood cells to provide them with magnesium. Um, So that measurement, just knowing that your training's picking up, so you're metabolic needs are going to be greater. You're going to be sweating more. And that magnesium, RBC magnesium is on the lower side. I think that's a good so um, when reason you, to when, lean into supplementing. When you look for a supplement, magnesium, is it true that it's important to take it with calcium? And what's the ratio that you need to look for? What are some, you don't have to give me any brands specifically, but what are some things that people should look for if they want to take a magnesium supplement? Um, So I actually would not recommend taking with calcium. Um, Magnesium, calcium, zinc, and iron are all going to compete with each other for absorption. Their valence state, so to speak, the amount of electrons that they have on them um, really do compete with each other. So if you were to take it with one of those nutrients, most likely it's going to either bind to it or compete for absorption with the binders in the body that would also be using those. And that's one reason why multivitamin also isn't really the best way to get your nutrients because you're taking large amounts of all of these things that potentially impact the absorption of each other. For brands, what we or for um, forms of magnesium, you can find a lot of different forms out there. We recommend magnesium citrate. Okay. Um, it is a form that is most readily absorbed. You can, you can find like magnesium combined with something else, like eight different, maybe 12 different types that are out there. Um, but citrate's the one that we really recommend. And okay. we do have some brands um, on Inside Tracker that are use. included in there. Yeah. And all of uh-huh. our supplement recommendations, we have at least two brands that are near the dosage and have been tested by a third party to actually have in them what they say. The two brands that we recommend are Life Extension and Nature Made, which you can find Nature Made literally okay. anywhere. Yeah, no, it's true. <laughs> and then in terms of like, you know, it's February, it's Heart Health Month. And you are the expert when it comes to cholesterol. And I know that mine is in a really good place. And I knock on wood and thank God for that (laughs) since my cortisol is through the roof. But um, what are you (laughs) – I mean, you do – you offer a lot of insight and advice on this. So, like, what are some things that, you know, people should look out for when it comes to cholesterol? And, you know, what's a buzz point that you're maybe talking about this month as it's, like, heart health month? Yeah. Well, again, I feel like you deserve a big pat on your back. You have very good cholesterol levels across the board. I think maybe like 5% of inside tracker users have all four of their lipid markers optimized. So you look really awesome. I think for me, one thing that I just constantly see, especially in February coming off of January, um, when a lot of people maybe are starting diets, knowing that 
your intake of certain nutrients has a really big impact on your cholesterol levels. So making sure that you're taking in carbohydrates that are good sources of soluble fiber is really important. Soluble fiber is really a type of fiber that we mostly get from grains, beans, seeds. Um, it's not a type of fiber that we find in fruits and vegetables. Okay. And a really common trap in January is to try and go low carb or go keto or just cut back on all of your carbs. And when you do that, you end up also cutting back on a lot of that soluble fiber. And that soluble fiber plays a super important role in our ability to really regulate cholesterol usage. Um, For one of the things that our body makes cholesterol for is to produce bile, a digestive compound that we need to be able to break fats down to a small enough size to absorb them. Um, And the soluble fiber can trap that bile and transport it out of the body, whereas usually bile is recycled at about a 98% rate. So if we are forcing our body to reproduce a lot of this bile because it's required for us to be able to digest fats, well, that's one way that we can pull on our cholesterol stores. And you can think about it as increasing yeah. the utilization utilization of cholesterol. We don't get to impact the utilization of cholesterol in any other way. It'd be great if we could just think, you know, I really want to make my cells structurally sound or I want to make more testosterone or I want to think about making more vitamin D. Um, but Soluble fiber is one way that we really can impact that. And again, a lot of people fall into that trap in January just to cut out carbs. Therefore, we have really influenced our ability to influence how much cholesterol gets used. And I think another common trap is the other nutrient that's really important of saturated fat. You know, a lot of diets as far as saturated fat and soluble fiber go, look really similar to just the traditional American diet that's really high in animal proteins. And typically animal proteins is where we get the majority of our saturated fat in the diet. Um, And while the typical American diet includes carbohydrates, they don't include carbohydrates that are high in soluble fiber. So paleo, keto, low carb, as far as saturated fat and soluble fiber go, look exactly the same as the same traditional American diet. So it's Again, just a common trap that, you know, everyone, not everyone, many people in January, you know, try and dive face first into something that's not sustainable. They go to the doctors in February, their cholesterol is through the roof. They've developed this problem just based on what they're eating. So if you have changed your diet and you have gotten some high cholesterol numbers, know that your diet could have a really big impact on that, especially if you've never had high markers before. But you can change it through food and diet. And that's most people can most um, most people. Yeah. Yes. Not everyone. But you re- there's a lot right. you can do. Like you always say, I mean, uh, you know, you've been on the podcast a few times. And I think this is like my biggest takeaway from our conversations is that, you know, having a bowl of oatmeal a day is better than an apple a day. I mean, it's really, I feel like you said that at one point, but it's true, right? Like, I mean, you know, oatmeal is so, has so much amazing nutritional value for people, even if you have good cholesterol, which maybe that's why I have good cholesterol, because I really do eat a lot of oatmeal. (laughs) I don't know. I don't really eat a lot of other things that maybe. But it's funny how rare that is. You know, most people hate oatmeal or just don't don't even think about it. Beans. Beans are another great source of that. That's not something that's common for a lot of people. Brown rice, barley, whole grain pasta, you know, that's not the norm either. Um, But yeah, about, you know, five to 10% of people that have high cholesterol have a genetic basis there. The other 90 to 95%, um, 
while maybe have some influence from genetics, they don't have familial hypercholesterolemia, meaning that they cannot do anything to change it. So got it. vast, vast majority of people can have an impact on their cholesterol levels, even if other people in their family also have high cholesterol. That's so interesting. And, you know, as you were talking, I was thinking, you know, because we were talking about heart health and I was thinking about, I'm still thinking about my vitamin B12 and my cortisol. Are those two things related? Like, because the cortisol is so high and the B went down? Because I know B, vitamin B is a vitamin that's related to stress. Like if it's low, you could be stressed. But yeah, is there a relationship between- If it's low, I would say it's definitely stressful for your body. One of B12's biggest roles is that it helps in developing and maintaining nervous tissue. So like brain tissue. And that's why low levels, like clinically low levels of B12, as far as um, Inside Tracker goes, if you have clinically low B12, that is ranked as our number one most important biomarker that we want to call you and make sure that you address immediately. Yeah. Because that can cause issues with your nervous tissue that are, you know, can't be repaired as irreparable. Your level is nowhere near that low. Um, But largely what B12 also does is, you know, it's used in a lot of metabolic processes. And when your cortisol is high, Typically, that really increases your metabolic rate as well because your body is in this fight or flight stance. So your, your respiration rate increases, your heart rate increases, your body's using a lot more energy to maintain that. It's interesting because I actually, in the beginning of December, so I got this test with Inside Tracker in January, right after the new year. And I would say I, tr- I was trying to pinpoint when this all happened, like how and how. Like I was just doing a ton of analytics around it. And I started feeling, you know, I mentioned I walk my dogs four times a day. I walk them up and down the (laughs) stairs just for extra exercise. And I don't usually get out of breath, like from walking up five flights of stairs, like no big deal. I was feeling out of breath. My bikes, my indoor bikes got like a lot harder, like where I noticed how hard they were. And it was more, not my strength, but more like my breathing and my cardio. And it was challenging. And I thought I had COVID, of course, but I didn't have COVID. But I definitely thought that I had it because I was like, oh, my oxygen, my lungs, you know, is my uh, something going on with my red blood cells. Like I was totally going down that path. I didn't think like, why would my vitamin B12 drop? Or, you know, why would my cortisol be up? Like I wasn't thinking about any of those things. I was really just paranoid. And, um... And then when I got my results back from Inside Tracker, it was like so eye-opening and also like reassuring that I wasn't going crazy, that I really felt the effects of having low vitamin D and high cortisol and my iron and low vitamin B12, sorry, yeah. and my, my iron being low. So it's very interesting. What yeah. Are- and that fight or flight hormone, that cortisol, like, yeah. It, when that's high, your body is only in a state of you either fighting off or outrunning whatever is causing yeah. you stress, even though most of us aren't stressed by like a predator nowadays. Yeah. Um, our body exactly. responds in the exact same way. So everything feels harder. So what else would you advise for me, like based on the 43 blood biomarkers that I tested, yeah. you know, what else would you have to say that you think I should pay attention to or be psyched about? Yeah. I would say for your B12, you know, if if you want to go back to smoothies, great. If you don't want to, thinking about ways that you could increase that just a little bit, like a glass of fortified almond milk each day is going to have enough B12 to bring that up. 
it doesn't always require a supplement. Um, and if you wanted to add fish back in, that could be another source, but yeah. it's, you know, animal products aren't the only source of right. B12. They, um, you can certainly find it in fortified foods too. For your vitamin D, it's worth taking that supplement again yeah. <laughs> to help boost that back up. Okay. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> and then like once summer comes, I would recommend, you know, as you drop back, you might not need 5,000 or 2,000 IUs, but it's typically a pretty good idea to maybe have 5,000 IUs total in one week to help you maintain that level when we do have enough sunshine to yeah. also supplement. That. I think it's it's really interesting because what I did to get to 42 from 23 was I took 10,000 a day and that was what really bumped the numbers. But then I also know that it's not good to take that high level of vitamin D like ongoing forever, right? Like yeah. it's only like for a certain amount of time and then you have to kind of go back to like scale back to 5,000 like you just said. But that, I think that is what I kind of need to do now also to kind of get it back to like that 40 number just throughout the winter. Yeah. And then, you know, if I can, my goal would be to get it to 60 and maintain yeah. that. But I don't know if I can do that. So, yeah. And I think that's why it's so important also to make sure that you're retesting. You know, the goal yeah. for 10,000 IUs, we don't want you to take it all the time because if you take that indefinitely, you're going to take too much. Your body stores it. Um, and then retesting, you can kind of see, okay, I was at 10,000 and then I dropped it back. And clearly my body also lost a lot of it. So it's kind of like helping you fine tune for you. What's the ideal amount of, of vitamin D to be able to keep you in that, in that zone that you want? Do, what do you think about B12 injections? I don't love them. It's just a lot. It's okay. You could, if you get a B12 injection, it's you know usually like a, a hundred thousand, whatever unit that they would be in. Maybe that would be in micrograms. Yeah. It's, it's a lot. It's not necessarily toxic. If you have like way too much of it, it's a water soluble vitamin, your body can lose some of it, but it does store and hold onto it for a while. The thing with those though, is that you have to get it again. Yeah. And, and it's not always there. I think another thing that I, I would really want to push and preach was that is that not everyone needs it. Just yeah. because you're tired doesn't mean that you need a B12 injection. And that's what most people are right. doing. Well, that's now. yes, that's what I actually have seen from friends. But I and I always say like, you know, OK, is your vitamin B12 low first and right. foremost? You know, yeah, mine was. So that was where my my thought process. Normally I would never do that, but I was just like, I want to get it back up because it, it just made me worried. But I started taking a sublingual methocobalamine vitamin B12. So we'll see. I'm going to, you know, how I'm going to test again in March probably or April, but you know, how often would you suggest someone test with inside tracker for a baseline? Yeah, it depends on what markers they want to see and which ones they want to, like, are really working on. Some yeah. of them just take a long time, like DHEAS levels and testosterone yeah. levels. Like, they can take a while to increase. Um, other marker and your cholesterol levels and hemoglobin A1C, like, those are things that I would say three or four months or minimum. Yeah. Um, for some of these other markers, like B12, your vitamin D, like, those are things that you might be able to see changes in in a shorter period of time. Yeah. But typically, because our ultimate test includes so many things, I want to yeah. make sure that you're giving all of those markers time to really have an impact or be impacted by the changes you make. So usually three to four months is a good time to retest, especially if you're trying a supplement. Mm -hmm. Because again, you can get info from that. Are you taking too much? Are you not taking enough? 
Um, you know, sometimes with supplementation, you way overshoot it and you go yeah. from being low to now you way too high. And you don't know that unless you check in again and then right. be able to calibrate that information that you have. Yeah. I mean, I, I find that testing, you know, every four, few, four months, every quarter is very helpful for me, especially because I'm also cycling in my athletic training. I mean, honestly, your results look great. You should be impressed with yourself. Some of Thank them you. were a little out of it, but like for the most part, everything's green. Knock on wood. Yeah, no, yeah, that's what um, that's looks a, good. Thank you. That's awesome. I'm sticking with inside trackers inner age for my age moving forward. <laughs> that was 42. a big drop from your last test. That's yeah. great. Yeah. I'm very competitive, so I like looking at that score. That's my like yeah. PR. Like every time I get that lower, <laughs> it's like getting a few minutes off a half marathon. <laughs> that's awesome. Thanks again for tuning in to Marnie on the Move. If you like what you hear, leave us a five-star review in Apple Podcasts. Follow us on social at Marnie on the Move for Facebook and Instagram and Marnie Salop on Twitter. Head over to our website, MarnieOnTheMove.com for more info on this episode, links in the show notes, and of course, sign up for our quarterly newsletter, The Download to get updates, deals, giveaways, and information on future events for 2019. I want to hear from you. Email me, marnieonthemove1 at gmail.com. And let me know what you're enjoying, what you want to hear more of. If you have questions for our guests, just reach out. 